Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. Later you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. We are starting a new study, a new field of study. But for right now, we're going to take some time and study difficult Bible passages, especially in the area of what's called soterology. That's just a big word. We're going to break it down for you. It just means how people are saved, the, the method of salvation. So there are many different thoughts, and I hope that it will open your horizons and cause you to study God's Word in a way maybe you haven't studied it in, in some time. So I hope that tonight you will be greatly blessed and encouraged as we take on this study. Let me just say, we are inviting questions. Now right now, because I'm just coming to you in a taped message, we're going to try to do this live so that we can get your questions and answer them right away. But if you will go on Facebook, type in your question, then the following week, we will try to answer, we'll look at that passage and try to take the time so that you are satisfied that the Word of God is exactly what it's saying, is exactly uh, true and reliable. And if you can't do it on my Facebook, let me encourage you that you'll just send an email, and we're going to be giving you those addresses again, so that you can email us, ask those questions, and we'll break the scripture down so it's easy to understand, because I know that that's, that's the truth about the Word of God. It's easy to understand. And all we need to do is keep it in context and break it down, take a look at it, and we'll see how beautifully it all flows together. Then we're going to go, after a little introduction, into the book of Genesis, and then we're going to spend most of our time in the study in the book of Hebrews. ...about soterology, and that's the study of salvation. The term soterology really identifies a whole section of theology, and it comes from two Greek words. The Greek word soteria and logos. So literally it means a word or idea, study of salvation. That's what we're looking for in our study. Many, many different ideas, but I think we're going to see that the atonement, the, dire the direct results of the work of Christ are the means of our salvation. But we're going to look at some difficult passages and I want you to feel free to ask questions as we go through because there are many different ideas about salvation and how people are saved, but we're going to look at the uh, exact application of what the New Testament teaches and what it tells us about the aspects of salvation. And of course, we want to talk about how were those people in the Old Testament saved? How is it that they looked forward? Were they looking forward to Christ? Did they believe in an actual Savior? And did they know that they were believing in Christ? So really the first analysis of salvation, Paul the Apostle brings out some beautiful distinctions about the uh, 
work of Christ on the cross and his resurrection. So Paul didn't preach different plans of salvation. He recognized that there were aspects of the gospel. And so that's where we want to see the accomplished work of Christ on the cross. So we will also get into what happened to those Old Testament saints when they died. Where did they go? What uh, what occurred there? We need to study and see uh, because the Bible gives us the, the information and tells us exactly what we need to know regarding these. We're going to be talking about the doctrine of election and uh, were some chosen to salvation? Were they not? What does election mean? The Bible does teach election, but we want to see it in a biblical sense. Also, we're going to be talking about security of a believer. Can you walk away? Can it be lost? Can this uh, just be something that you decide I don't want anymore? Well, we're going to be discussing that at some length as well. And then also the question, are are the saints only in the church? Uh, that's something, unfortunately, that's becoming predominant among many of our churches. Uh, and I think we need to examine that and at some length so that we have a proper understanding of who the saints are. And then the question is, baptism essential for salvation? And what about where 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about the baptism for the dead. We're going to examine that. We'll look at, see in this study how those things are, are spoken of exactly. And we'll get a good understanding about that. And so we'll try to break down seemingly difficult passages in clear and concise meanings to bring those out so that you clearly understand exactly what the scripture is saying in these regards. I want you to be able to give an answer to anyone who asks that you will know that you're standing on solid biblical grounds. We want you to ask questions. If you have questions about a, a Bible passage, we want you to be able to ask questions. And also, as I said earlier, if you have questions that are directly resulting from our study, just go on Facebook or maybe through email. And if you'll let us know, then maybe we can't get to it during that uh, exact study, but we can do it the following week. And we'll answer your questions as you go through them. All right, let's get into some passages here because I think it's important that we understand salvation uh, as the scripture gives it. We talk about atonement and a, atonement means the satisfaction of divine justice, divine justice for the sin of man by the substituted penal sufferings of the Son of God. We see also the word salvation. The common biblical expression that identifies that change that's done within your spirit, it's worked by God in the life of one who by faith obtains the benefits of the atonement of Christ, that Christ paid the price. And 
we think of salvation, and sometimes we might think of it as uh, the doctor saved us. So there's that salvation of the sick. That would mean they're brought back to health. So it means to be brought from a state or a condition that's not favorable to our welfare or our happiness into a condition which is favorable. So as we consider salvation in the biblical sense, it refers to being freed from the penalty of sin. Salvation is past, present, and future, and we'll consider the present and future. I say that it's past because at some point in your life, if you were a child of God, you accepted Christ as your personal Savior by faith. And so we think of about, however, now the present and future as that applies to us now. Because it is both an instantaneous event and a progressive experience. Our salvation continues to grow. It's something that happened and we're living it now. We're living out our salvation. However, there is much, much more. And so it is a progressive experience for us to walk by faith. So the really the full realization of all that God has in store, it's not going to be ours completely until the end of human history. When God has brought about after the millennial reign, we move into an age uh, where we are just with God in heaven, then we begin to experience the full realization of all that God has in store. We'll begin to see more and more of that as time goes. However, uh, we will have the completeness of what God is doing uh, at the end of human history. The enjoyment of the blessings of salvation, now it depends on the conditions that are fulfilled in us and also by us. We're going to examine this because our salvation is something that we work out. It is something that we walk on, that we act on. And we're going to see how faith is uh, causes us to live and to act out in those areas. So, salvation, and this is important, it is the total work of God. He has rescued us from eternal ruin. He has rescued us from the doom of sin. He has rescued us from the penalty of sin. And he bestows on his saved people the riches of his grace. So we have eternal life now. And we're going to have eternal glory in heaven. So we'll continue on. And uh, so that's important as we re understand salvation is completely by God, not of works. However, our works show that we are saved. Our works result uh, from that faith. So it's important that in every aspect that we recognize it as a work of God in behalf of man and is in no sense a work of man in behalf of God. In other words, we're not helping God to save us. And that's important because as we're going to look in Hebrews 11, all of those people were justified by faith, not by their works. Think about now salvation in the Old Testament. 
In Hebrews 11, we have the roll call of faith, and we're going to be spending a little time in the book of Hebrews. How were people saved before Christ died? And that's why it's going to lead us to the question, where did they go after they died? Well, what was the basis of their salvation? The individuals of faith that are identified in Hebrews 11 lived before Christ. So here's the question. Who was the object of their faith? What was the content of their faith? Well, you see, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because it's by faith that we, by believing God, that we live and give him honor and glory. When we sin, it is because we do not believe God. We do not believe uh, it's a matter of disbelief, of not having faith. And so it boils down to simply those aspects. So who was the object of their faith? What was the content of their faith? As we go through this, I think we're going to understand, and we have to rectify. Jesus said, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. How does that relate then to these Old Testament saints? They didn't know Jesus. They didn't know his words. How is it that he could say that no man cometh unto the Father but by me? That he is the only way of salvation. So now you see the application of this of how people were saved before Christ came into the world. So the Old Testament saints, those believers, were saved as New Testament saints, believers are saved today. Let me explain a little more. The gospel of salvation is by grace through faith. It's not a new thing. However, it has been more fully revealed to us. We understand it in a greater aspect than those of the Old Testament. So the basis of salvation in every age is the death and the resurrection of Christ. He was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So even though they may not have recognized it at that time, and we're going to get more into this next week, Lord willing, the basis of their salvation was in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ who took their place. And so they may not have understood that they were looking forward to that or that they uh, that that was going to have to take place. Their requirement for salvation in every age is faith. As we go through the book of Hebrews, and we're going to look at some things here in just a few minutes, we're going to see by faith, by faith, by faith, the same way that you were saved by grace through faith, was the same way that those Old Testament saints were saved as well. So the object of faith in every age is God. They had faith in God. They believed God. They trusted God. So faith is, well, we're going to give a definition of that in just a moment. Uh, So the content of their faith changes as we get further revelation of God's word, we understand 
God's plan now. We understand it much better from our perspective than they did in looking forward. In our hindsight and with the completed Word of God, we can easily see God's plan. The progression of God's revelation has made that content of that faith uh, much easier for us. However, those of the Old Testament simply had faith in God. And so, prior to the cross, salvation was acquired by faith in God just as it is acquired today. It was still the same faith. The content of their faith differed to some degree from that faith that we exercise in the Lord Jesus today because they didn't understand exactly that what Messiah was going to do. So it's not due to a different plan of salvation. And sometimes uh, we are... They, they, they try, some opponents try to say, well, you have different means or different methods of salvation. Not true. Salvation is by faith through grace, always. So, that progressive nature of revelation helps us understand better today than the, those of the Old Testament. In Hebrews 9.22, remember it says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. That started from Adam, and when God took the animals to clothe them, and it was the shedding of blood. Throughout the law of Moses, there was the shedding of blood. All of those things were pictures that showed that there would be a Lamb of God who would then take away the sins of the world. They had to look forward not understanding. Many of them did not know exactly what God's plan was. As I said, because of the full revelation of God's word, it's easiest for us to look back and recognize that it was the shedding of Jesus's blood that gave us that salvation. Adam and Eve, and we're going to look at this, expressed faith in God before they understood who God's son was. Let's think of that. We're going to get into that in Genesis 3 before we go into Hebrews 11. They did know that a Redeemer was coming and that they put their trust in him, that God was going to uh, fulfill his promise from their sin. By the way, the sin of Adam was so pervasive that it changed the very the very elements, the very atoms within the body, that now those uh, that atomic particles began to break down, that now the very essence of what God had put together, man began to age. All living things began to age and, and decay. Prior to Adam's sin, there was none of that. So think about Adam's sin was so pervasive that it affected all of God's creation, even in an atomic level, I guess we could say, even in a, or maybe it's better to say, even in a genetic level, because now the genes break down, now there's death. Our cells break down, and uh, our body has to renew itself, and of course, 
we see how that uh, death comes about because of sin. So, those in the roll call of faith of Hebrews 11 did not know as much as people know today, but they had to put their whole trust, their faith, in what God had revealed to them. We'll talk more and more about that because I want to spend some time in Hebrews 11 to examine uh, how they had that faith. They expressed their faith by their obedience. It's simply expressed differently according to the age uh, to how much they knew. Noah, of course, expressed his obedience by building the ark and being obedient to God. He didn't understand all that we know now, how Christ has saved us and taken us across the judgment that was uh, similar to that of Noah's day. So Christ is our ark, of course, that's what I'm saying. But Noah just simply believed God and obeyed in the, his faith led to his obedience. That's a lesson that we have today. Our faith leads to our obedience to God and God's word. All right, look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. This is the promise of the Messiah that would come. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Of course, that was to Satan and to all of the demonic minions that uh, are at Satan's, you know, uh, um, hand. So, but now Christ, and they, so they understood that Christ was going to come and that he would prevail. That was God's promise. So in verse 20, Adam names his wife, before she was just called Adama, or female man, and now he gives his wife a name. Remember, part of Adam's job was to name all of the living. He calls her Eve because she was the mother of all living. There's much that's said in this passage. In other words, her name Hava came from the promise of a redeemer. You will be mother to life. That's what he's saying there. You're going to be mother to life because that was the promise of God. They believed God, and now they have faith after their sin. And in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. And she said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. What is she saying? Eve understood that God was going to send a redeemer. He was going to send someone that would fulfill the promise of 315. And so she names her son Cain. I've acquired. Here's a man. Is this the man? You see, they're looking forward in faith. They're looking forward to see what God was going to do. And so Adam and Eve both expressed faith in God's promise and seeing what God was going to do. So by their faith. They were saved. Let's get into the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is a beautiful book. talks about helping us run the race with endurance. We're going to go into Hebrews 11, but 
before we get there, we're going to look a little bit in chapter 10. Uh, maybe in the upcoming weeks, we'll even have to go back to 9 and 10. But let me explain that the book was written primarily to two groups, to Jewish believers. And this was, there was also with them a community of Hebrews who were attracted by the message of salvation. But they have not yet made a commitment of faith to Christ. In this book, there's a real emphasis on the Levitical priesthood. They talk about the temple sacrifices. By the way, it's interesting because this book was written before the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. And there's the absence of any kind of reference to the Gentiles. Now, we may get into who possibly wrote this book. Maybe not. Uh, we just don't know. But he had a Jewish background. He understood the law. He understood Judaism. And because these Jewish Christians were under such, such persecution, we shall see how they were uh, had many things coming and being taken from them. But some of these Jews were looking into Jesus as the Messiah. They wanted to know, was he Messiah? And sometimes there was a, a tendency to try to demote him from being God's son to just being an angel. The Qumran community from which we got the Dead Sea Scrolls Many of them were Messianic Jews, and they included a worship of angels in their, in their passages and in some of their writings. So it had gone so far as to claim that even in their ideas that Michael was of a higher uh, status than what Messiah would be. So the book was written in a contrast. The imperfect and the incomplete provisions of the Old Testament, of the Old Covenant, that which was given by Moses, were fulfilled infinitely better by the provisions of the New Covenant, because now we have a perfect high priest who was God's only son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so the writer of Hebrews was showing the better way, the higher, the better provisions that this was not an angel, but this is God in the flesh who would be Messiah, and that was Jesus the Christ. And so we have a better hope as a result, a better testament, a better sacrifice. Talks about there's a better substance, better substance to their faith, a better country. They were all looking for a country who's uh, had a city whose builder and maker was God and to the resurrection and the hope that they had in the resurrection. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, it says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We're going to spend more time back and coming back to this, because in chapter 10, he keeps talking about how the animal sacrifices had to be done over and over. They were incomplete. And many of these Jews looking into Christianity, they were dabbling, they wanted to know, but they had not yet trusted Christ as their personal Savior. So that's why he says, if you look into these things, 
if you're not going to live by faith, if you're not going to believe me, then I have no pleasure in it. That's why in verse 39, then it says, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. That's why I think it's important that we recognize the writer of Hebrews is talking to two distinct groups. Those that are Jewish believers, they've trusted Christ as Savior, and those who were just looking into Christianity, wanted to know more about this Jesus. And so the evidence of our faith. Now the faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. All of those in Hebrews 11 lived by faith. They all, uh, over and over. As a matter of fact, let me just read a couple of places. Because over and over it tells us, well, I've got to get into chapter 11. Uh, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. We understand that, that God created out of the atomic and subatomic particles, and now we have uh, that which was unseen, now is put together so that it was seen. But beginning in verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did, did not see death. Verse 6 is a real key. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's the answer. How is it that Old Testament believers became saints? How is it that they became believers? They believed God and that he was a rewarder of those that would diligently seek him. And now we have a list of those. You see, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not seen. So verse 7, by faith, Noah moved. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place. And then verse 9, by faith, he dwelt in the land of promise. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive. It goes over and over. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them and embraced them. By faith, Abraham, verse 17. By faith, verse 20, uh, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, verse 21, when he was dying. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying. Verse 23, by faith Moses when he was born. Verse 24, by faith Moses. So you get the idea. It was all by faith, by faith, by faith. And we're going to talk about Rahab uh, because in verse 30, 31, let me just read those real quickly. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. So, 
how is it because Rahab did not know God? He didn't. She didn't know all of the promises of God. She just believed God. She just believed that these men were uh, God's messengers, that they were sent by God, and that they were uh, seeking. Uh, so she just believed the promises of God. Where everybody else panicked, she trusted in him. All right. All of these elders obtained a good testimony, verse 2 says. They all trusted God. You see, our life is a life of faith. The Christian life must be a life of faith. We cannot go back. There's, that's the only way that we can go forward. So we're going to look much more, but I hope that that helps you understand that it wasn't necessarily that they called out to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but they, by faith, believed God. And then in the revelation, as today, Christ has come and he's died. He has paid the price so that now we look back and we recognize what he's done. So for us, because of the revelation of God, the revelation of his word, we trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone, by faith, through grace, non-merited. So it's only what God has done. All right, Lord willing, next week, we're going to talk about where did the Old Testament saints go when they died. We're going to talk more from Hebrews chapters 11 and 12, because it has so much to say about our Christian walk. Again, was closing. We'll just ask if you have questions on passages, if there's something that you're just not sure of that you want to know, just let us know. We want to deal with those passages. We're going to break them down. I hope we can break them down in a way that's simple to understand so that you are assured that God's word is true. And in that assurance helps you to live by faith, helps you to walk by faith. And then through our faith that we are able to give an answer to others so that they will come to know Christ also as their Lord and Savior. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.